this is a special Future of Coaching edition, a treat for the hockey world. Welcome to the Sheriff Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to celebrate the greatest influence in a hockey player's life other than his family, the coach. Other than mom and dad, siblings, and significant other, the coach is the most influential person in a hockey player's life. The coach is the hockey player's mentor, role model, and sometimes even best friend. These coaches will and cannot only guide a player to success, but help develop the player, and most importantly, help the player become a better person. Ladies and gentlemen, today I am blessed to have two of the biggest characters that I know in my life. Both are professional, former professional hockey players, who have incredible insight and stories about when they were coached from minor, from the minor hockey league all the way to the pros. These gentlemen are now both coaching and together we'll be discussing the future of hockey on a special Sheriff Podcast edition. Introducing to you first, he hails from Amherst, Nova Scotia at six foot two, 215 pounds, he was drafted 98th overall by the Winnipeg Jets in 1990 NHL entry draft. He's played pro hockey in three different countries, over 300 games in the NHL, AHL, and IHL, ladies and gentlemen. He is the new coach of the Don Mills Flyers AAA in the GTHL. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my first guest, Mr. Craig Martin. How are you doing this evening? <laughs> Introducing to you second, my next guest, he hails from Western Ontario. He represented the Toronto Marlies AAA growing up, was a big time player for the London Knights, Mississauga Ice Dogs, and the Owen Sound Attack. Over 350 games, ladies and gentlemen, in the AHL and ECHL. He is the co-founder of Come and Get It Hockey School. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Dan Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully. All right, guys, so I feel blessed right now to be able to have these two gentlemen with me. We have a very important topic to discuss, which is coaching. Now, I know that both of you obviously played minor hockey just like I did. Now, Craig, I want to start with you first, buddy. Where did you play your minor hockey? Uh, I'm Amherst, Nova Scotia, born and raised Maritime. I uh, played my minor hockey and in the Amherst Hockey Association. Would have played up until minor band, uh, minor midget. And that's when I would have went down to Pictou County. So I left, uh, left the nest, went down towards Halifax. I played by AAA and then played junior after that. The rest is history. Okay, so I heard a couple of key things there. Now, first of all, Amherst, Nova Scotia. Now, I've been blessed to meet a couple of you fine gentlemen from Amherst, Nova Scotia. Guys like Mr. Bill Riley, yep. who I'm sure you're very close with. Bill Riley's son as well. Yourself. Now, you guys are all played in, in the NHL, and you represent a special group, obviously. You guys have been honored several times. Yep. Um, do you mind just talking a little bit about <laughs> Amherst and, and Mr. Riley? Oh, no, not at all. Like, uh... Just about Billy, like, what do you say? Like, uh, you know, like one of the top three black hockey players to break into the NHL. 
Um, Number three, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, it was just huge, right? Like uh, Billy's son, Mark McFarland, uh, myself and him, we had great friends. Um, so at the end of every season, we couldn't wait to get back home, right? Um, and just to pick Billy's brain, you know, you always say, right, you're not big enough. You got to get bigger in your chest. Like, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, we go to his cottage and he just, you know, he said, bye, have a couple beers. And uh, yeah, you just pick our seasons apart, see where we need to improve. And we'd go with that. But uh, yeah, you know what? For a small town, uh, you know, three young black men, you know what I mean? Doing great things in hockey. It's pretty good. So, yeah. I would say it's extremely good, man. And you know what? I got, I got to give a round of applause for that as well. <laughs> All right, so we're going to switch it over to our other guests. Now, Amherst is obviously a very well-known place. It's on the map in Canada. But another place that is, is Weston, Ontario. Weston, Ontario. Man, dude, there's so many things with Weston. Sully, tell, tell, tell the listeners and viewers about Weston, Ontario. What does Weston, Ontario mean to you, buddy? Uh, I've got a guest here that uh, used to always tell me that the east side of the Toronto was the toughest side. But i got to tell you, the west side was... Oh, you're talking about me? Well, I'd say that Mr. David Silverstar over oh. here sitting in the corner. Um, we used to argue with this all the time on the bus trips, and uh, you know, I think I think I think the I think the special thing about about Weston was, uh, you know, it, it it wasn't a big big community, but it was small enough where, you know, you could still get your female sandwich on Saturday um, after you played your house league game. You know, my mom and I would walk down there. Uh, we'd, I'd play my game. We'd come up. The farmer's market was going on. By the time we were done, I think half the groceries were in my, my hockey bag. And I had a P-mail, and that's all I cared about. Uh, and, you know, it was win or lose. I knew I was getting a sandwich, and that was my favorite part about, uh, you know, West. Dude, that uh, – I, I really – yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'll tell you a couple of reasons why I appreciate that. First of all, I got my appetite back now because we're talking about the female. <laughs> Second of all, I just I appreciate being personable on my show because that's what the show is all about. Now, what I was kind of wanting to tie this into, guys, is I wanted to talk about the most memorable coaches that you guys had in in those places that you just described for me. So, like, so Craig, going to you first, like, in Amherst, like. I know you got a chance to be coached by Mr. Riley, right? But but was there anyone early early on that that you that kind of sticks out for you as a coach? Yeah, no, like yeah, Hal Davidson. Hal Davidson was his name. Uh, good hockey player, played University of Dalhousie. Uh, major played junior. Shout out to Dalhousie University. <laughs> a lot of a lot of my teammates went through there, so I got to recognize that. Yeah. yeah. So no, but Hal was good. Like uh, coming up. Making the jump from TV to Bantam. Checking. Contact Right? The big deal. So I was a big boy. I could play. So they wanted to bring me up a year. <laughs> so I'm on this is where I'm going with this. So I'm on the ice. I love game. it. And how is it like the old school coach that would come around during practice and he'd bring his slash stick on your hands and you're holding tight enough. You know? Stuff like that, right? So anyways, skidding down the ice, center ice, my head's down. She has to get to the level. I just go over to the coach, hey, I want to go down. I want to go back to Peewee. But anyway, you know, Hal's been instrumental with me. Yeah. Um, even when I came back, you know, if I had tough uh, junior years, 
you know, he pulled me aside and talked to me, stuff like that. So yeah, I can see how David's hundred percent. Right on. So and 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 I appreciate you sharing that, buddy, because like you know that's another personable thing on the Sheriff podcast. So now, where I kind of want to go with this is like, now that we're older and we and we know like you know we've all coached now, we know what it's like to be on the other side. What would you like to tell him? what you appreciate the most, man, about what you just explained that, you know, that he stands out to you, you know, like, like, what was it? Because I love sending messages through the show, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Like I love, I love giving challenges and I, I like sending messages. Yeah. Do you have a message for, for your memorable coach? Sorry, that, that, sorry. No, you, that's my memorable coach when I'm younger. No, yes. I, Newell Brown was my memorable coach when I was playing pro. Okay. So I don't say the name about. again. Newell Brown. Newell Brown. Yeah. So he would have been he would have been assistant coach of Vancouver. It's been wow. in the NHL a long time. That that's a really cool name. Just man. uh just he's the first guy to give me a chance to play, right? As a player. Right. And that's why I remember him. He just he just demanded more than just just us, right? That's yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's for Newell. Right on. I'd give him a hug right now if I could. <laughs> yeah. Huge shout out. Sully, uh, what about you, buddy? Um the first question or the second question? I want to know <laughs> most most memorable coaches I, I just, in Weston. Okay. When you're uh, in Weston uh, as a young youth. I gotta say a hundred percent uh Mario Chiquillo. Um Mario. Yeah. So yeah. I remember I remember kind of crazy. I was living at twenty one hundred Weston Road. On an apartment 301 uh, was my favorite apartment because it faced the Western Road. And when my sister used to play the steel drums, the Santa Claus parade would come down, and she'd be the last, yeah, she'd be the last one to play the drums before Santa. And all our family could just watch it outside our apartment building, and then we come to realization we're in friggin' you know co-op housing, and that was the one day of the year that you could you know be excited. But anyways. Uh, Mario said, uh, you know, I want Dan Sullivan on the Marlies. And it was the same year. It was that transition year. Uh, uh, Wexford Raiders had Brian McGratton and Rafi Torres and Mike Zigamanis. And the Marlies were getting wow. pushed around. And, and I was on the North York Canadians at the time, now the junior Canadians. And I had this guy say, like, I'm meeting you at the, you know, at the Weston Donuts across from Knob Hill Farms at like Weston and the 401. And my mom's like, okay, go there. My mom's having a tea, coffee, donut. This guy's got like a really bad mullet. Like, I don't trust him. He's got like a fleece sweater on. I'm like, mom, I don't know about this. I don't... <laughs> and she's like, Dan, the guy's willing to pay for everything. Yeah. And all you got to do is just protect everybody. And uh, there was a couple kids on that team that had a lot a lot of money yes and uh that was a that was how i was able to play and all those parents you know they made sure i got home from practice they made sure i had sticks they made sure i had skates they made sure i had everything i had sleepovers with these with these families and i got to realize like what it was like to like have you know these elaborate things in my life and it was just incredible and i think Mario gave me that opportunity. I became a Marley. Marley's led me into, uh, you know, playing junior, getting drafted to London, and what what a what a you know what a course of events to happen to a kid off of a co-op housing, you know, Weston and Lawrence kind of building to where, you know, I'm I was established in the fact that I I was a London Knight, and that was that was amazing. Dude, I I I I, I wish I could just listen to you guys all night long. 
You know what I mean? Because it's amazing. I, I appreciate you sharing that, Sully. And that's what kind of leads me in to my next topic. All three of us here grew up in single parent families, right? Yeah. All of our moms are super moms. They were able to do a lot for us. Now, shout out to Joanne. Shout out to Joanne. Shout out to Sheila. And shout Teresa, out to Teresa. 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 Now, okay, so before I continue, I, I just have to point out that, that we do have a studio audience here. And, and it's incredible. You know, the place is rocking here at Bottom Line Sports Bar. You know, we have Mr. Silverstone and David Silverstone in the audience. You guys better be ready because you will eventually come up. And we also have Craig Martin's family's in the, in the building as well. What's your son's name, Craig? Marcus, the real yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like it. Daddy Granger Arts here. We, we got Jordan. We got a bunch of our buddies, a lot of friends, the servers. Everyone's rocking the place. Now, back to my topic, guys. We're all single parent. We're, we're, all, we're all products of single parent families. When a, when, a team, when a player is playing AAA hockey and having that type of schedule, having that type of competition, being alongside probably the most competitive kids in Toronto with all the money behind them to back them up with two parents, that takes a lot for that kid. And what that kid needs is a coach that kind of gives a little bit of an extra role. Now, I was blessed to be able to have a coaches, coaches that kind of did that kind of fatherly role as well as my coach. I'm, I'm just curious if, if you guys experienced that, if, if, if it's anyone that stands out that kind of helped you grow as a man as well, not just as a hockey player. I don't want to get either one of you mad. So if you guys get mad, you guys might swing. I don't want to be here. So, hey, who wants to go first? Just relax, guys. Calm down. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, Garnet Carver, right? Like, uh, he was my PB coach. And when I was asked to play AAA uh, in uh, Pinto County, which is three and a half hours away, mm. we'd, we'd uh, travel down on the weekends and we'd get going to out. And, uh, his dad, his older son Frank Parker as well, was playing on that team. So. Right on. So I would travel down with him and another guy. So I mean, I was fortunate, you know, like a uh, single mom, you know, raising our trailer and stuff. And you know, my mom just, just, just stay out of trouble. <laughs> and uh, she just trusted people, like you know, like are you taking my son for the weekend and we're getting him home safe. Um. But yeah, like I say, it was guarded because it's the father of the guy. They drove, he drove us down at three hours every weekend, made sure we got home. I didn't have money, you know, made sure that, you know, I ate, you know. He just looked out for us, right? He just looked out for me. So yeah. I'd say, like, there's a lot of different people I touch on, but I mean, you know what? I keep forgetting about Garnet. He was, pro he was probably the most right influential, like, father. He would pull me aside. If I'm having problems at school, my mom would have him talk to me. You know what I mean? So, like, uh, yeah, he was that. Yeah. That's that that's amazing. I I just wanted to I just wanted to add to that just a little bit. So the fact that you were blessed to have a situation like that, right? So you, so you could appreciate you know that because you 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 were able to benefit from it. Now, you're a great father. 
you take care of these guys very well. You're a great role model to these guys. Is there situations where you see where, like, on your kids' teams that you know that one of those kids is is in a single-parent situation? And, like, do you kind of, like, you know, give them a little bit more attention because you were that guy? Okay. I, I understand. Yeah. I, I would say not necessarily the single-parent side of it, but when I do see that, I can relate. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I just... Just being like a challenge. I don't want to say like you know you're. I don't want to say trouble child, but you challenge, right? Like yeah. You know we get into shit. Yeah. And yeah. I've had a few kids at his age, mm-hmm. at eight years old, that I've had parents that actually wanted to give up. And I'm just like, like this is that's absolutely not acceptable. Because I can put myself in that shoes. So there are kids. Yeah. There are kids I think of. Yeah. I forget the question. But... Yeah. Hey, listen. <laughs> just keep talking. <laughs> The audience loves it. I love it. Somebody loves it. The crowd loves it. Don't ever feel bad, man. Just keep talking. So, what about you? Buddy? Say, like, I think what kind of changed my life as a hockey player was um, a family by the name of the McIntyres. You probably know Turtle. Um, you guys would know Turtle. Turtle was supposed to be here today. Yeah, Mark McIntyre. Mark. Um, anyways, his dad, um, and his mom were just like inspirational to, to how my, my seasons always went. And the one time I can tell you what changed it was his older brother was two years older than me. Um, same age as Leslie. I remember him coming down the street and yelling at my household, like, where's Danny? And we were playing, you know, ball hockey in the park, like he always did. And my mom yelling at me to get home and get my gear that I had to go play in a tournament because they were they were shorts and players. And I was so big as a kid that I could possibly play two years old. Okay, so hold on. How big? How big were you as a so kid? Like in, how, in, how, how old are we talking right like, now? So 12 years old. 12 years old. I was like 5'11", like 169 pounds. So grade 7, yeah. you were 5'11". Yeah, I got a monster dad, so I never, like, I'm the, like, I should have been a lot bigger. Not really sure what happened. Maybe, maybe it was some of the workouts. You're, you know, you're but, pretty uh, big, though, Sully. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you should be disappointed, <laughs> buddy. Anyways, coming from a dad at 6'8", 4, 405, that was a little small. But anyways, so the bottom line is I got to play this, this this tournament. It was the Wonderland Cup, which everybody has a dust collector Wonderland trophy. And uh, I ended up being the most valuable player at the tournament. And the kid, uh, uh, dad on the team had an older son who's, who could, he had a, a 79 and he had an 81. Okay. And his 81, he was coaching the North York Canadians. And so how I ended up getting on that team was we were, you know, Jeff's, Mark's dad, we were going for some fries and some food after the tournament. And Jeff Bacon says, you know, hey, Dan, great tournament. You know, great, great value to the team. Thanks for being here. And Jeff and, you know, Kevin and Turtle, like, Kevin goes, no, 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 he, he's like two years younger. Yeah. So the tournament was over, so he could say this. Yeah. He's like, what? He's like, he, he's an 81. And he goes, yeah, I just borrowed him. He's like, our, like, he's our neighbor. Jeez. And then he goes, well, I got the 81 North York Canadians. Like, I want Yeah. And that's how I made sure to talk. That's quite the story, buddy. I've never heard anything similar to that. Yeah. The crowd likes it, ladies and gentlemen. 
All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch things around a little bit now. This being the coaching edition. You guys both be, hey, we got, yeah, we got, yeah, yeah. The, the crowd is out of control, guys. So let, let's change it around a little bit. You guys, you guys are both coaches, okay? So I want to talk about now certain relationships that you guys have had with players as coaches because I know that there's been some special ones. Now, Sully, I'm going to start with you now. I've had the opportunity to meet some of the fine young gentlemen that you've really, really helped along their journeys. And some of these gentlemen have now reached to the highest levels of hockey. Can you share some examples of like special connections that you've had with these like elite players that they are? I mean, obviously, um, the first, the first and foremost would be uh, Owen Tippett, obviously of the, Philadelphia Flyers just recently at the trade deadline traded for Claude Giroux. Um, he I was, think this, is it this own tip? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so special, special kid uh, to to me and my family. Um, honestly, it was it was a it was a love at first sight connection with me and him. Um, I remember watching him shoot a puck and. I just remember thinking, like, at 12 years old, like, I couldn't imagine, like, having a shot like that. And and I got put on the team at the JRC year where I was a defensive coach. I wasn't a forward coach. And he would play, you know, an off night here and there. And he was expected by a lot of people, especially in his position, to score goals. And when he didn't, you know, certain influences, which I don't really want to get into, but would, would kind of make that, or wink or whatever and no one would kind of knock at the ice time and he actually at some points he gets sent to me as a defensive coach and i would say hey man don't worry about it you know what the best part about you playing d for me is you can fucking now you got three zones to go yeah so i'd say just pick her up and go and he would just skate through everybody and score a goal and the next thing i know it's, he wouldn't be my d anymore he's back up at four and so they played these Mickey Mouse games anyways. I had, I remember just saying, though, when, when it came push to shove in a minor midget year, which everybody knows, like, I think the definition of minor midget hockey should be uh, insanity in the dictionary. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, yeah. Everybody gets really crazy about that year, especially parents, especially kids. And they, and they, and they put everything in all their their marbles in one basket and it's it, it's it, it can create like a lot of turmoil with kids that you grew up with your whole life to separating the good from the bad the strong from the weak and and it really puts a lot of stress on a lot of families we went through all that we got through it i said owen what you and i need to do is we need to get out of this age group your name and what's going on is is kind of not been tarnished but it's 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 there's a lot of outside influence on this. Let's get out of here. Went to the 98 age group. He lit it up. Was talks about him going exceptional status, which you guys all know is crazy. Yes. That means you're telling the next age group above is like you're the best player in the league. And when you have Masker and Mete and Chikrin and all these guys who are men, it's not something you're willing to do. So we decided not to do that. Well, not we, but his family. And... At that point, being the best 98 prospect as a 99 coming into your draft year, um, he had from Bobby Marshall and the Titans to Wendell Clark and the Marlies with Dan Brown, who's Connor Brown's dad, 
I mean, you yep. had the top teams in the, in the GTHL fighting for Owen Tippett. And I remember walking outside of York University and I said, Owen, like, I got the 99s, like, you know, what, what's your what's your plan? And and he said, uh, as long as you're coaching, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hang a bang with you. And I was like, awesome. Yeah, well, now we can it's... recruit, right? So I think that's, I like that. I like that. So, Owen, Owen and his mom gave me that permission to use their name, which is a big deal. You'll understand that when we start recruiting. And um, and, 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 it, and it's such a solidified position because you you actually can say, like, if you really want to talk to them, here's their number. Um, a lot of parents will waffle. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not they're not committed. You, you, you think they're committed. You sit in the bottom line sports bar. You have a, a drink with a parent. You buy them a steak dinner. Next thing you know. And great wings. They're, they're, they're at Shoeys down the street, and they're, they're, they're with the Titans. You know, so you got to remember it's it's a game and, and and at that point i remember just saying i was committed to this family he was committed to me um every other team had an owen tip you know i tried to tell that to his family like you are my guy like, yeah you, that's why you're with me and you won't get this opportunity when cj clark starts playing well who's when the clark gonna sit when when you know when this yep. guy in the titans plays well who are they gonna sit yeah, you're not that guy. You're there to pass those guys the puck, and you're not going to be Owen here. When you're here with me, I'm getting guys to build a team around you. Yeah. So I focused on that, and you know him going fourth overall um, on a Red Wings team that was sixth in the league, just made the OHL Cup, barely land, you know, anything. Um, was 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 kind of cool because they finished last year before I got. It, it gives me shivers, buddy, just to hear yeah. that kind of stuff. I want to come back to another point with Owen, similar to our situations. Before we wrap up the show, though, because I want to get both of you, I want to ask you, Craig, your son's in the crowd. You've coached your kids before. I want to talk to the viewers and listeners out there that are coaches that are coaching their parents. Do you have any advice? And obviously, i got to get your go at this, too. But do you have advice for parents today because... Man, have we ever seen a lot of parents really screw up their kids' careers? Like, I got to say it, man. Like, we can all think of, like, five or six guys on every single team growing up. Yeah, his dad messed him up. His dad messed him up. Oh, yeah, 100%. What can we say to some of these parents? For me, like, what I'll say, and it's very, very short, very sweet. With Marcus and Isaiah, I had to be willing to change. I had to be willing to listen to them uh, and change on the fly. What works for Marcus didn't work for Isaiah. And sometimes you have to have those talks and you just got to, I don't know, you just got to admit when, hey, maybe, you know, you don't know everything as a dad and you got to know when to put the, the coach hat on and the dad hat on. And when you're at the arena, it's the coach hat. You love your son. You're always going to love him. Yeah. But it's a coach hat. Um, you have to hold him accountable, but the biggest thing for me is like to let him know how proud he should be of himself and how proud I am of him. And I don't yeah. need to be hard on him. You yeah. Know what I mean? like oh I yeah. Give him the props too. So, yeah. I could see. I could see the passion. That's awesome, buddy. That's awesome. Yeah. That was really, really cool, ladies and gentlemen. Really cool, man. That's really, really cool stuff. You have any anything on this? Um, I think I think when you're when you're coaching, you can get caught up in 
in that passion of wins and losses because that's we're so competitive in what we do that I think like a lot of the times like with Daniel and and stuff I I, I, I want him to be as competitive as I was and love the game as much as I do but sometimes you got to remember that it, that might not be their passion and you got to let them find what they want to do because I put so much into Daniel and I force him to want to love the game as much as I do but I think at the end of the day Sean that might not be Daniel's passion and you just got to kind of be a dad and that's the hardest thing because to, you you want to make sure that they do the right thing and it's a hundred percent and you know because that's all we've ever done yeah but that might not just be a hockey you know it, like Daniel's playing soccer Ava's drawing you know Danny's an artist like yeah. you don't know and so you just got to support them when they do and when you find it you'll see it and I think that's the main point to me. Yeah, and like, don't mind me. I just saw the wings and the burgers and the fries and everything just arrived in our VIP section here. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm focusing. Okay, so now, Craig, Sully, you guys are both going to be coaching this year. Now, you are Mr. Don Mills Flyers. You now, we had a conversation the other day saying that there's maybe an opportunity that you're actually going to coach one of your kids this year. There, there's a, there's a couple opportunities. I, I, I hope that uh, whoever is watching this uh, doesn't watch it if, if you're out. But uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, that That's, might happen. Man, that was one cool way to say that. Man. <laughs> I have to admit, that was awesome. Okay, so how many times did you get taken out of the lineup when you weren't expected to just get out of the lineup? Man, it just happened, right? As as a fourth liner, my whole career, right? You didn't know. It, it was part of a routine. You were told to be ready to play, and that's all I can tell you. So if you're in, you're in. If you're out, deal with it. Words of wisdom here on the Sheriff Podcast. I absolutely love it. Okay, so guys, obviously, I wish I could have you guys forever. This was such an action-packed episode that honestly, like, I, I just, I'm so fired up. I don't want it to end. The producers have been screaming at me for 10 minutes. It's over. It's over. I'm like, no, let us continue. So in all honesty, guys, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, we're going to have to do a part two because we probably touched on about two out of 10 things that I wanted to touch on. So now I'm seeing something pretty cool right here, though, and we got to squeeze this in. Talked about it. I was going to say, Jamie Drysdale uh, was my captain with the Marlies, one of the captains. The other two guys, Wyatt Johnson, Will Cooley, battling it out right now, game seven. Uh, yes. Hamilton Bulldogs versus Windsor Spitfires. Uh, so exceptional year the o2s I, I tell you i met people in here tonight when they saw the jersey they, they came up to me asked me how jamie was doing awesome great kid awesome awesome year we'll never forget it and um there are really good parts of coaching and and this was sent to me uh literally yesterday before the show what a, what a timing uh of events but yeah like this is very this, cool this video is all we appreciate when kids make it is like when something like this shows up I don't care about tickets. I don't care nothing. I can hang that on the wall. And um, Jamie Drysdale, thank you so much. And uh, for every other kid that I coached, keep giving her. And uh, with 29 Jocelyn Crescent, uh, send your jerseys. <laughs> all right, so we're going to sign off. But I just got to give a shout out to all my favorite coaches. 
Mr. Glenn Robeson, Terry Durant, Jim Taylor, Mark Hunter, Michael Fuda, George Burnett, Randy Cunningworth, Pierre Peltier, Steve Thornton, and of course, Dean Litigascos from the Marquis de Jean-Pierre days. Any last, any last words here, guys? Thank you, Sean, for yeah, having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. I'll slide you guys the $10 bill for saying all the nice stuff, too. So I appreciate it. But honestly, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Guys, I'm just happy that these guys didn't get mad. As you see how tough and strong they look, I'm actually small on the stage show. And I'm just glad that everything was kosher. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. We'll see you next time, guys. Woo!